we're living in a society with all this pressure to look a certain way based on who people think you are, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to please anybody that way. You have to be yourself because living in that authentic expression is what is going to make you happy. And then here's the beautiful part. You're going to meet people that are in alignment that support that. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zamora, and today I am so excited to share our first process interview with you. We have Kaden Nettopak, who is an award-winning transgender writer, producer, and creative activist who uses his creative work to inspire others and activate change in the world. And Kaden is someone that I feel very blessed to have connected with, and we've been connected for several years now in different capacities, but just getting to follow all of your journeys has been so inspiring to me. The way that you are so committed to following what calls you and creating what you're here to create and really living your fullest expression and the way that you share so transparently and vulnerably, like I feel very strongly about that. And we don't have enough of these stories and what it's like to really be in the messy middle of bringing our impossible goals and visions to life. And you have shared so beautifully in so many different ways, all of your processes around writing and transitioning and just stepping more fully into what calls you. So I know that everyone is in for a treat. Thank you for being here. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Before we even start, I need to say that that is why we connect. I mean, when I first met you, I met you through your website, through your messaging. And I was like, wow, this person is not afraid to share their grief, their vulnerability, their process. And that's what I'm all about. And I feel like we're so in sync on that. <laughs> so I love this conversation right now. It's like two peas in a pod chatting <laughs> and sharing it all. <laughs> I know all the wonderful things about you, but I would love to start with you sharing a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Absolutely. Well, you know, people are always like, what do you do? And we'll start with the day job, right? So I have been a producer for and a creator for a very long time. I started off my whole career as an actor and a host. I always wanted to be on camera. And then I kind of got the bug to like start creating my own stuff. And this might be part of our conversation, but one of the biggest reasons was that people were casting me based on how I looked and how they assumed I would be as an actor, like, oh, redhead, sexy, we're gonna make a Jessica Rabbit type. And then they'd meet me and be like, yeah, you're nothing like that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm this badass word. It's very masculine, you know? And so we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But that kind of got me to creating my own work. So I created my own award show. I was uh, working on YouTube for a very long time, hosting shows, creating content, doing my own films. And then I kind of backed out of Hollywood right before the pandemic perfect timing because I had this download to tell this huge, massive story that I was pitching as a TV show, but has now become the book series that I'm writing called Gaia Song. And over the years, I've been working on it for like six years, this story has journeyed with me. And in the end, now that I'm like editing the first book, I'm realizing this is my story. It's a story of a person, human, who is presenting as a girl. It takes place in the 1800s and you know she becomes a he and was stuck in this like patriarchal society and has to go through the transformation to be himself and i was like wow like and then yeah. you know <laughs> through that process i came out as trans i didn't even know that when i started it so that's what i do that's what i create that's the majority of my time is producing a show called A Funny Way of Looking, where I have amazing guests on that are sharing their wisdom and healing journey, and then also writing my book. But I do have, you know, other hobbies, even though I'm constantly working. If, if you see me, I'm just on my laptop writing, writing, writing. But um, I've got three cats that I absolutely love. I love fashion, as you can tell. I'm obsessed with fashion. Yes. And you have such an eye for it. Thank you. I, I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit of a fashion guru. I don't think I'm up with the, great, the latest trends. But I have my own style. I go by Transfairy Prince on uh, my social media because that is my style. It's like a little bit more like old school. And I also love to garden. So <laughs> I, the biggest thing, which we'll talk about, I'm going to have surgery soon, is like, how do I prepare my garden? I won't be able to pick up my pots for like months. Yeah. But I live in Oregon and I love the fact that you can grow anything here. And I have been growing 
anything and everything. Of course, the deer eat it, but that's another story. So yes. yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm a creator. I do a lot of different things, but that's me in a, in a nutshell. You too. <laughs> I love all of that so much. I got goosebumps throughout the conversation because yeah, again, like you're sharing your life has inspired me so much. I mean, even your beautiful home, you know, and how you've really cultivated and curated the space that is so cozy and so reflective of you. Thank you. And the way that you've shared, you know, the Transfairy Princess, the way that you've shared art and imagery that you resonate with as you've navigated through this experience, mm. like that has been inspiring to me as well, because on- Thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> on my own journey, you know, when you're you're trying to live your fullest expression, and I've been going through my version of that, especially this last year of like, okay, what is the life I'm really here to live? And what feels most like me? And just down to my clothes, down to like how I adorn my body mm. or like the things that I do and the spaces that I create, like I've gotten my camper because- like I've, I've really been trying to orient around like, who am I here to be in this life? Like what's my fullest expression? And I have loved, loved your process oh, thank because you. you're, you're doing a very similar thing and you're finding those points of reference that create resonance. And I would love to have you talk about that some more and we could just dive into that and we can go into I think we should. This is I think we, we should, are. you know, because this is, as you know, you all know, I'm transgender. And when you're trans, there are so many more rules, society rules about how you can and should express yourself, especially your appearance that come out of the woodwork. But what I love about this conversation is you're a cisgendered woman. You get the same pressure. Everybody does. And I think people don't realize that they're stuck in a society that is pressuring them to be a certain way. If you're a cisgender woman, you need to look feminine. You need to be prepared to have babies. I mean, just all of these things. And when you're trans, it's like times 10 because look at me, yeah. I'm on testosterone, been on testosterone for four months. It needs time to take its effect. Like I'm growing my mustache here. My voice is dropping. I'm getting top surgery. You know, there's a lot of other things going on with my body. But at the end of the day, I still have a bit more of a masked femme look to my appearance. I love having long hair. I grew up in the 80s where like every guy had long hair and it was so masculine yeah. and sexy. And I was like, how are people not seeing this? The moment you're trans, you come out, people are like, why don't you cut your hair? It's like, why am I trying to fit your idea of masculinity? And if you cut your hair, people would call you butch, right? So we get the same exact pressure. And I think it's really important. And this has been the biggest thing I've tried to communicate on my TikTok, on my channel is like, you've got to be yourself. Someone out there, people are always going to be unhappy. They're, we're living in a society with all this pressure to look a certain way based on who people think you are. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to please anybody that way. You have to be yourself because living in that authentic expression is what is going to make you happy, not people pleasing. And then here's the beautiful part. You're going to meet people that are in alignment that support that. I mean, my God, when yes. I came out, people were like, who's this cisgender bitch? You know, they were like, who's this woman like pretending to be a trans man? And I was like, wait a minute. No, like you're not understanding. And that's why I continued to artwork of like anime men with long hair. I would share pretty guys wearing makeup. I was like, but see, this is what I am. You're just not seeing it yet because my voice is higher or right. whatever the reason. And so I think it was really important to share that vision with people because it's easier for people to understand. After a few months, people are like, oh, and then people started sending me pictures like, this reminds me of you. I was like, dude, you got it. That's exactly what I feel like. <laughs> and, and sharing our work and our vision, we can then get people on board. If it's just in your yeah. mind, I mean, it's not necessary, it's not required, but it does make the process easier because then people are like, oh, because I'm in transition. <laughs> like, oh, I see what your goal is. And by the way, I just want to say this, not every trans person is going to medically transition. Not everyone is going to go through a social transition. Not everyone is even going to come out. They're still valid how they are. This is just my choice and the direction I want to go. Absolutely. And I think all of that, like, thank you for sharing all of that. That's such a beautiful look at kind of the motivation behind it for you yeah. and why it was important. And it's, I think about the systems piece, right? Like we live inside of these systems and there are these systems that are 
so harmful and violent towards people who are other than who the system was created by and for. And I think about what people think are such innocent comments about your experience or someone else's or how you should look or should not look. From their perspective, sometimes it's malicious and there's a lot of times that it's it's not. It's innocent. They're they're ignorant. They're uneducated. They don't think it's that big a deal. They think other people are being too, too sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, in not correcting that and not bringing awareness to it, And not having an understanding, like it may seem innocent to you, but it's upholding and perpetuating these systems that cause direct harm to other people. So I have been, again, so inspired by you and your your courage to not only go through this process, because I know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, there's a whole lot that goes on in yourself and in your personal relationships that is a struggle enough to Mm. navigate and then to do it on a public level with people who are very opinionated, some in hateful, harmful ways. And again, to watch you go through that with such beautiful transparency and vulnerability and to take a stand that feels important for you and to share your process because you're a creator. And when we're creators, we share like that's I love the process. It's all about the behind the scenes. I'm like, I want you to know that I did not just hop over here magically. Like here's all the steps I went through. And I think this is why I appreciate you we want to show people how to navigate through the difficulties, through the adversity. It's like, this is not easy, but rather than, rather than being scared to start, let me show you how I did it. And maybe this might help you gain the confidence and the resilience and the bravery to take that step, yeah. knowing it might be a challenge. But look, here are all the things you can do to navigate. So that's what I appreciate about you as well. Thank you. Thank, I know there's so much mutual appreciation here. We're just going to say that the whole episode. <laughs> and I would love like on that note, if you could go into, you know, because you've been sharing this process and you've been sharing it so beautifully, but take us through that journey a little bit, like even going back to when you first realized that you were existing in a body that didn't feel like you and the process of coming to terms with that for yourself. And then also, this is like a huge three-parted question. So do with it what feels right, but then going into that process of not only am I going to navigate this for me and within my day-to-day life and relationships, but I'm going to do it public. What Mm. has all of that been like for you? Oh my gosh. Well, I'll start with just growing up, being younger. And I, and I want to make a point here that not every trans person, especially if we're older, had access to the right language, to the right information and education to understand who we were when, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And so now it's different for the younger generation because it is a topic we can converse about. It is now supported by the medical community. You weren't even able to transition, I think, until like 2012 or something like that. I mean, it's trans people have just been through so much as have people in the queer community. So there is a difference in when I kind of like, I have to look back and say, oh yeah, I remember growing up and thinking this and that and that, that all makes sense now, but I didn't have the language until I was older. So I will say the biggest thing for me was when I was growing up, I was constantly playing with boys. And I'm going to sound gendered for a minute here. I'm a trans guy. I want to definitely say that there's a non-binary community out there. There are people that don't participate in the gender norms. So I apologize in advance for using the language, but that's just going to help me explain. And when I was growing up, I hung out with all the boys. I thought I was a boy. I mean, I had a body of a boy. I was super athletic. And then I turned 15. And I got massive C-cup boobs. I mean, they were so big. I was an athlete. I was like small and like muscular. I ran track. I played tennis. And I got these giant boobs out of nowhere. And it just like, it was insane. I mean, it felt so, I remember feeling like so awkward and uncomfortable. I was like, what are these? But also, Mm. I immediately went from being one of the guys to an object of sexual objectification by older men especially the teenager, teenage boys, by men who are out of college, by older men, like it wasn't the time of like us being on the internet, but that's something that people have to deal with. So I went from like feeling like my masculine boy self to going through puberty and just immediately being a girl and having to be forced into everything that that meant for society. And since then, this was like when I was 15 years old. So these boobs are 30 years old. They're coming off on their 30th anniversary, by the way. And so, uh, yeah, it's like mind boggling 30 years, 30 years. But I then traveled 
through an entire lifetime of these social norms. And so in part, it was my body. I had always loved the male form and I was like so attracted to it. But then I think, then you think like, oh, well, I'm just straight and I'm interested in men. I mean, I'm bisexual, but it was like, oh, I'm interested in, in men because that's why I find their body attractive. But I constantly found myself in situations where I wanted to be that guy. <laughs> like I'd be attracted to somebody, but I also wanted to be them even more so. I was like, I love the way they look, but like, I wish that was on me. And I look back at all of those times when I had like a crush on somebody and I was like, oh, but actually like, I wish that like you saw me in the way that I saw you. And that's one of the biggest things being trans for me is like, it is about my body. I do want the male chest. I do wear a packer. I want people to see me as a man, as opposed to as a woman, because that's the form that feels comfortable to me. But there's also a massive chunk of society norms in there as well that we can't forget. So as I'm traversing through my childhood and my 20s and my 30s, and I'm like attracted to guys, but like we're, we're hitting it off, but then not hitting it off. I can't tell you how many guys are like, we just feel like gay brothers. You know, <laughs> like people would make these comments to me like, we just feel like bros. Like, I don't know. I'm just not really like feeling the jive of like femininity from you. And, I was, and now I look back, I'm like, yeah, that's because it wasn't there also working in corporate and I was dealing with like this whole misogynistic society that was telling me I have to be more feminine. I'm not girly enough. I had all this masculine energy. I mean like a guy trapped in this body and they were not accepting me as that because of how I looked, because they assumed that I was a woman. And so I was treated very poorly because of that. And so it was just such a mindfuck to be honest with you. And I didn't realize it until I had broken up with a partner I'd been with for 16 years who continuously said, like, you just feel like a bro to me. And, you know, I was very insulted by that. I went through a whole era of several years where I was, like, trying to be a goddess. I mean, I went, I went, mm. I went, uh, and this is a very yeah, common thing. because you're internalizing those reflections. Yes, this is a very common thing, um, particularly with trans guys is we, we over-feminize to try to fit in. It's like a last-ditch resort. And that is nothing to insult the goddess community. Oh my gosh, I love them so much. And they're so supportive. But I, I was in these groups of women and I always felt like I'm not one of you. Like I was like, I just don't fit in here and I don't know why. And then the pandemic hit and like all that depression came out of me. And there was a moment where Elliot Page came out. And I remember, yeah. like, it just makes me tear. I remember I, I, I saw his story and he had a whole story about how he, he was like Oscar award-winning actress at the time presenting as, and he walked into this room and his PR person had all these dresses laid out and he just broke down. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's how I feel right now. Like I just tried so hard and I couldn't do it. And I healed all my childhood wounds and all these relationship issues. And yeah. what's wrong with me? Why am I still unhappy? And I had chatted with a few friends and they, my friends like, are you sure you're not trans? And I was like, no, because I was still very feminine looking. And I, I mean, I didn't grow up like cutting my hair, trying to be butch. So it didn't make sense to me because of society, right? Society was like, well, if you look like that, you're going to be a woman. And I was like, no, this is, I don't think so because like that doesn't make sense. And I sat with it and I sat with it and I just started watching videos of other trans creators and every single thing they said related to me. Every single, every single experience was like, yep, that's exactly how I feel. And what really broke it for me was that right before I came out, I felt like I was kind of forced to come out because of the way I look. I've, I was just sexually objectified. I mean, I would post a picture of me smiling, not even my body. And I would just get DMs of guys wanting to F me. I mean, you know, and, and I just lost it. And I was like, here, and I, I bought like a full male chest and I was like, here you go. Here's me. Like, I'm, and I mean, I, I did it in a way to like disgust everybody, but also like, this is my way of coming out being like, this is how I see me. So like, let's stop with the boob talk. Let's stop with the sexualization. And that's kind of how I came out. And I will let you know that it was a year ago, around today, it was a year ago. So I have been out for a year and that's how I did it. And then slowly over time, I had to navigate to answer the second part of your question. I then had to navigate the world 
as an out person who looked like me, who hadn't started transitioning. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to take testosterone. I didn't even know what any of this meant. I was still like a newborn child coming out of their shell, their, you know, their cocoon and figuring it all out. But I had to do it out because if I stayed hidden, I continued to get people who didn't see me and that hurt even more. I was like, I would rather be out and have people just be like, yeah, I don't think so, chick. Like you're not trans. I would rather have that because I knew who I was than stay hidden and have people really not understand. And little by little, I started posting videos on TikTok. Little by little, people started following. And the majority of the people that do are people that don't want to participate in the social gender norms. They're they're cis men, they're trans men, they're non-binary folks who want that ability to be fluid with their presentation and not have to be forced into these rules. There's a lot of trans guys that are very femme and they don't feel safe being femme and they see me and they're like, okay, yeah, Kian's got long red hair, like I'm good. <laughs> and and to me, people are always talking about, oh, I'm a fan. I was like, I don't believe in fans. You're listening to me be myself. You're seeing me as much as I'm helping you. And that's how I really kind of go about my social media is like when I'm posting these pictures, I'm not trying to prove myself. I am sharing myself. But when people see me and respond as you have right now in this conversation, that means the world to me. Like, yeah, it's, it is validation. And I'm not going to lie. I am searching for it because like, it's a tough journey yeah. and we have to deal with these like conservatives trying to kill people, you know? So like you kind of need validation when you're going through this journey, but people seeing me and respecting that and then like sending me pictures of things that they're like, oh yeah, this is you. And it being like so spot on means the world to me. And how could I not give that back? Like, how could I not hold the space? I mean, I'm older. I, I, I've been through all of the healing. I've been through all of that. How could I not be the wise one and turn around and hold that space, particularly for people that are younger? Because we need that. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. And I remember that photo. I don't remember what you posted <laughs> with it, but I remember seeing the yeah. photo in my feed and stopping and like getting goosebumps because that was so apparent. The photo, obviously, but in the energy of it and the sharing of it is like, here I fucking am. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to tell everybody the photo that you're probably talking about is the one my mom's super embarrassed of. I bought a full male chest that cosplayers would wear. I just got naked. I put that on. So I'm wearing nothing else but a faux chest. You know, it's the male chest. And then I've got on a pair of like jockeys that say daddy on them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I took a few photos, but that's my favorite. And I was like, here I am. I mean, I was like buck naked, except for these jockeys. I say daddy and I was like this is me and I felt I mean I was taking these photos and I was like yeah this is me and the only sad thing was that I had to take the chest off yeah that's how I knew I wanted top surgery I was so happy in it and then I had to take it off and I was like oh yeah that's not real and I mean it's going to be real in 15 days so <laughs> I'm excited but Which is thank so you incredible yes yeah and I think you illustrated perfectly because the context of this show, right, is about really making the impossible inevitable, like making our big, scary, impossible goals happen. And I know that one of the big fears for people is what we're going to lose in the process of that, mm. particularly community and other people, rejection, abandonment, impacting our ability to make money. Like there's this deep fear that if I really step into my fullest expression, there'll be too much loss to handle. And so- I want to talk about what that process felt like for you and, and those losses and navigating it specifically. But I also want to reflect for everyone how beautifully you've shown that like, yes, you put yourself out there and you did it in like a really loud way. Yeah. Yeah. This is me. I'm Aries. It just kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> you were bold with it. And I know that there was a lot that happened after that, but you've also shared that like then you got on TikTok and you've start and you you're sharing more and more and you're starting to align with people that feel the same, that can actually yeah. really see yeah. you and appreciate for who you are. And when we step into our fullest expression, especially people who have been hiding aspects of themselves or aspects of what it is that they really want to create and do and be, there is a period of loss and abandonment and isolation to some degree or another. And yet, if you can really weather that period, 
it is so worth it in ways that you can't even imagine. And I feel like you're only just beginning to see that as you step more into yourself and you show up and you share more is like, look at these incredible people coming into my sphere because I'm being all of me. And that doesn't mean that we don't grieve the losses or that we don't feel sad and hurt about the people that were shitty to us or fell away or whatever. But it's like, it's you're, you've modeled that and you were so brave in that. And I know that that's just who you are as a person, but I just really appreciate you sharing that. Thank and you. And would, yeah, love to hear your experience with, okay, oh, yeah. you were bold. Mm. And then what happened? Oh, wow. Well, I think either way you come out, when you come out, there's going to be adversity. And it's, I really hate to say that. Maybe you're a lucky person and you don't have to go through that experience, particularly if you're older. I think trans guys who are older deal with it a lot more. Like I was talking to a 20 year old uh, teenage daughter of one of my friends and they were like, oh yeah, several of my friends are trans. Like didn't even phase them. And I was like, yeah. I love you. Like, thank you. Like I just walk into a room of teen. Oh yeah, we're fine. Like, wait, yeah, I'm trans. Oh yeah, I'm trans. Like, great. But when you're older, that is not the case. And I will say particularly that trans women have to deal with it so much more. I'm not saying like trans guys don't, but like trans women, oh my gosh. I mean, because there's such anti-femininity and misogyny in this world that um, I see a lot of stories from trans women coming out and I mean, people just, just evaporate. So for me, it was really difficult. I would say that is probably the most difficult part of this transition is the loss. I don't grieve my old self. I've, I've, I feel like I just saw this post and it was like, why are we telling trans people that we're grieving for them as if they're dead when they're like living their fullest expression? And right. I've never felt more alive. Every single day I was out and sharing and stepping into that authenticity, I felt alive. And I was so angry that people would come out of me, friends, out of the woodwork and send me messages. And they're like, yeah, I'm really having issues with this. Like, I don't believe in this or like they're Christian or whatever. And they made it an issue to tell me that I was wrong or that they couldn't accept me for how I was, or they were super confused, which I understand. And I have so much grace for people who are trying to grasp, like, what is this? This just wasn't around when I was growing up. I understand that. But there were a lot of people who made it a point to make me feel wrong. I mean, I had a friend of mine, we were drinking and out of the blue, they just started screaming at me that I can't be a man because I don't have a penis. Their husband has a penis. It's this and that. I mean, just these kind of conversations. I had a friend come, several friends who are Christian tell me that, you know, like, why are you ruining the body? God gave you like, you know, trying to whatever, like the shame and the guilt. And you don't realize how many people have this conditioning in them. I mean, we do too. As trans people, we have internalized transphobia. That definitely was the case for me where I was like, I don't know if I want to transition. I don't know if I want to take testosterone. And I had to work through all of that. But it was very painful to have people that you love not respect it. But I think the most painful thing at this age was the silence. Because there were people that were loud, but it was very few. And then, you know, I immediately lost like hundreds of followers, probably a bunch of dudes. I don't know. But I just immediately like used to saw the number go down immediately. And I was like, okay, well, those people don't want to be following me anymore for whatever reason. But a good majority of people were dead silent. They didn't know what to say. So they said nothing. So here I am struggling going through this big life change. And I had no idea who I could turn to. And so I decided, you know, as the transfer prince, I came up with that, that title because it just kind of embodied like who I was. And uh, I had been posting on Facebook and Instagram with my male chest and I kept getting kicked off by Meta was like, oh, you're a naked woman. Like I'm wearing like a faux chest with silicone. And I kept getting banned for like weeks at a time. And I was like, I'm not being seen. Like this is suffocating me. People aren't understanding. And then I post a photo and literally nobody says a word. Like it's dead silent. And I was like, okay, well, this is the reception I'm getting. So that's kind of how I got on TikTok was I was like, well, there's this video platform and I want to do a diary. And I was thinking about doing a podcast. I was like, no, I want to do a little video. And I just started making videos for myself. Said, I want to record what I'm going through for me. And little by little, the community started coming. I found other trans guys. I go to their wall. I comment on their stuff. They were inspiring me to transition. I mean, there's just so many beautiful people out there that social media connects in that way. And I found a new community. 
of people, of friends. Um, I consider them like family at this point. And some of us have gotten really close. I've become friends with people that I now like chat with offline that are like my age and we're going through the process. One of my dear friends just had top surgery with my surgeon a few weeks ago. So we're like going through it together. And now we're like, dude, we need to hang out. So there's a lot of other people that are still silent. I found people that were going through the same thing or had gone through the same thing that were willing to help. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so adamant about putting my support out there because that silence sucks. And it's like, you don't know what people think because they're not even being adverse. They're just like not saying anything at all. And you really energetically, because we're energetic spiritual people, you feel that loss in your heart. You feel that empty cave that you are in and nobody else is there. And it's terrible while you are going through the most incredible experience of your life. If you told everybody, hey, I'm getting married, I'm having a child, you wouldn't be alone. You would be getting so much support and love and congratulations. I did not get that. I got silence. And that's what hurts the most is people don't realize that you are coming out of your shell, that you probably feeling you're getting rid of the depression of being hidden and not being yourself. I mean, I haven't been I haven't been depressed since I came out and I had struggled with depression for like 10 years solid I mean like forever but like solid especially through the pandemic I have not been depressed since I'm so happy I'm so full I feel like I'm thriving I feel like I'm ready to take on life as myself and that should be celebrated and so that's what I'm getting from the community is people that are celebrating I got my mustache I'm going I'm about to post a testosterone update after this I haven't had people be like, your mustache looks amazing. Look at my mustache. I'm like, your mustache looks looks amazing. And people are like, I started at the same time. And that's what we need to do. We need to celebrate. And it's just kind of a shame that the majority of people celebrating each other are other trans people. But hopefully we'll get to a point where it's a bigger thing. So yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. You you spoke to all of it so wonderfully. And I remember thinking when I sent you the link to book, you know, you have to put in your headshot and your bio and everything. And there was one photo that I was like, oh, I really hope he uses that one. And you did because it just, and that's what's been so, yeah. again, inspiring and fun and, and beautiful about watching your journey is watching you claim more and more of yourself Yeah, and, you know, figuring out like even around makeup or the clothes that you want to wear. And your mustache, uh, when you shared the first picture, I was like, <laughs> I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. Like I, Oh my God, it's so great. I can relate in certain ways on my own journey of coming into yeah. full expression, but it's very different. And I think that you spoke so wonderfully to something that I've experienced in my journey. And I know I've seen other people and clients experience is like, as I've healed and you've been on a healing and growth journey for a long time as well, mm-hmm. as I've, as I've healed and I've come home to myself more and more and I've been clear and I've taken up more space and I've made these decisions that to most people don't make sense or whatever it is, like doesn't fit with what they want from me, which is a much smaller scale than what you've been going through. But it's been so interesting to watch as I come into my fullest expression more and more relationships fall away. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, again, speaking to like, I know the fear and concern of people with going after something big and scary and impossible and living their fullest expression is, is that loss. But Despite watching my friend group get smaller and smaller and smaller and people fall away and people push back against me over the just the stupidest things, you know, like, why do you have such a strong opinion? It's always like the stupidest. (laughs) Like, really? You don't like campers? Okay. (laughs) But I have never been happier. I have never been happier. I have Mm. never felt more like myself. And there's there's more for me to go through as well on my own journey to full expression and bringing my impossible visions to life. But it's like, I marvel at that in myself. Like I have never been happier and there are fewer people in my sphere right now than there ever have been. Yes. And you spoke to that so wonderfully. Like, of course, you're less depressed. And there's still struggle. There's still emotions to work through and frustrations. But how could you not be when you get to be more and more of yourself and take up more space as who you know yourself to be? You know what's crazy? I was just thinking this and I'm hoping to not insult anybody with this comment. But a moment ago, I said, like, we should be celebrated like marriages and babies. I will tell you, I've I've never had a child, but, you know, I've been around 
plenty of mothers and I've heard their experiences and I was in relationships for a long time. And like the coming out journey is actually easier. I mean, the only thing, the thing we really have to deal with is society, right? But like if society was on board, this is actually a beautiful experience. Like motherhood is extremely difficult. Being in a relationship and navigating two people, especially if you're monogamous living together is extremely difficult at times. This process is beautiful. It's it, to me, it was actually not difficult at all. It just enhanced my life times a thousand. And I just wish that more people would celebrate that. So, because we deserve those parties too. Yeah. <laughs> I want to shower. I mean, my GoFundMe to raise money for my top surgery, I felt was kind of like my baby shower. I was like, all right, I'm getting a new body. And I, I never had the merit, you know, the wedding shower. I um, won't get into that, but uh, I never had the baby shower. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to have this. Like, you guys are helping me fund I my agree. biggest dream. And and I would love to talk a bit about like, again, I know that you've had such a history with healing and growth and personal development work. Mm. And I think that that lays such a big foundation, like having done all the inner child work and working on our wounds and healing our traumas and and understanding like the systems that we've been in and their effects. And, and all of this gives us such a solid foundation and way more leverage to create what we want. And I think it's very easy for people to hear you share your story and be like, oh, well, he's just better at this. He's just stronger. He's just more driven. He's just more something that I am not. So mm. I would love to hear like what were some of the biggest challenges and obstacles for you, whether internal, like moving through your own experience, your own, the way that it feels to have, like, and you've shared some of that, to have people respond to you in certain ways or to not respond at all and to be silent, as well as like actual obstacles, like figuring out yeah. how how am I actually going to do and have this surgery? Yeah. And yeah. kind of some of some of the harder points for you, some of the lows and like how you move you, yourself through those so that you stay in motion around what's important to you. Absolutely. Such a great question. Um, first, I want to say like I, my heart goes out to people who are younger and going through this, even though I think there's more acceptance among teenagers and among your peers you don't have the life experience of going through a lot of trauma and also healing the trauma. So that's a, you just nailed it. When I first came out, before I came out to the world and was dealing with all the adversity, which was the hardest part, I said to one of my best friends, I said, this is great because I already feel like I've healed myself. Like I don't feel a lot of trauma churning inside me as I'm trying to come out. I just spent the last 10 years going through this, healing the childhood wounds, healing the relationship wounds, coming back to self-love. And I'm very grateful that that prior, because I, as I said to my friend, now I just get to design my physical body. Like I don't actually have to deal with as much stuff internally. So I want to say that to anybody watching. Yes, I do come off as confident. I do come off as like I'm bold and I'm going out there. But I had just spent 10 years of hell going through the healing process where I was hiding. I mean, before the pandemic hit, I was hiding for like years. I was in such a deep state of healing and turmoil and grief over my life, over my childhood, like so many things I, I, I'm just not even going to get into right now. And then the pandemic hit. I was like, wait, I feel like I just like came out of my shell. And then we had to deal with that. So I had already gone through this process. And I know if you're younger and you're watching this or you're listening to this, please understand that as you grow and age, like you will have an opportunity to heal all of these traumas. If you're trans and you're coming out and dealing with that adversity, as you're dealing with, say, like childhood wounds, that's a lot to deal with. And just take it day by day by day. So I just wanted to say that when I came out, it was more like, okay, now how do I transform my body? It was very much uh, the adversity with how I look, like less about how I felt because I felt amazing. I had also started going through menopause. So maybe I didn't feel that amazing <laughs> um, because I my, my hormones were so out of balance for so long and they were so low and I have ADHD. So my dopamine was constantly low. And I think that played a huge role in my depression because after I had healed a bunch, I was like, yeah, but why am I still like super feeling, you know, so crappy? And so um, that was one of the decisions to do my transition and to start taking testosterone. I was like, well, at least I'm going to take it at the menopausal level. And let's see what happens. And I didn't do that. I just went full transition. But for me, it was very much about the body. When I first came out, you know, I knew how I wanted to look. I knew how I wanted to sound. I had this vision, but it's like, how do I get there? I knew that I couldn't 
sound the way I wanted to get the facial hair really without taking testosterone. So that was a very big decision for me. Again, I was going to, I made the appointment and I had to wait six months to get to the doctor. So six months between the time I made the appointment to the, to the time I actually got to this doctor because you're so booked right now. And during that time, I was going back and forth with like, do I take it for menopause? Do I transition? Do I take, do, what do I, what do I want? And so I sat through, like, I watched so many other trans guys videos. I was looking at photos. I chatted with so many different people, which by the way, if you're trans, please go talk to other people in the community, understand you're not alone. They're going to have very similar experiences. And I kind of worked through all my internal transphobia during that time. And by the time I had the appointment, I was like, I'm ready to start my transition. Like I now know what I want and I know the, the you know, the, maybe the side effects that aren't desirable, the good side effects that I want, I'm, I'm prepared for all of it. In earlier in the year, prior to starting testosterone, the first thing I knew immediately, having listened to my 15 year old story there was that I did not want these boobs. Yeah. Like 100%, I knew, I wasn't sure about testosterone yet because of all the changes but I knew that I wanted the male form. I already had like Packers. You know, that was the first thing, actually the very first, sorry to back up. The very first thing I did before I came out was I went and I bought myself a Packer. If anybody doesn't know what a Packer is, it's a, it's silicone penis that you wear. Most of them are stand in peas, but got because they, you know, they're like, I want to feel like I've got the thing. Um, They're very realistic. They're amazing. A lot of trans guys wear them. That's the very first thing I did was I bought one. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, Yep. Except what's this top thing going on here? And then I immediately was like, I need top surgery. I want this form on me right now. So then I went into testosterone, but there was another challenge there of like, I went through, tried to work with my insurance, didn't cover anything. I mean, I fought so hard for them to get to cover my hormones, but they immediately denied top surgery. They were not going to pay for it. And so I found a surgeon who is probably the most incredible surgeon I've ever seen. You His have work shared incredible. incredible photos. It's oh it's my amazing. god, Doctor Garamoni. So um, I am the eleven thousand six hundred and tenth tops top wow. he has performed. So that's a lot of experience. Yeah. His work speaks for itself. I mean, if you're looking for an artist, like he is it. And so I just started collecting all the photos and I was looking at different surgeons. And then I I found him and every single photo online that I saw was like, oh my God, oh, it's the same surgeon. Oh wait, that's the same surgeon. I was like, that's my guy. But he costs a lot. Everybody costs a lot. He costs probably even more than most. And I was like, how am I even going to pay for this? I left corporate America to start my own business And then the pandemic hit. So I got hit hard. It was going to be an event business. I got hit super hard. I've been living on low income for several years. I moved to like the woods to try to, you know, I don't live in Los Angeles anymore. And so I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? If insurance isn't going to pay for this, this is like $20,000. And my friend and I had a conversation and this is my best friend who's going to be there with me in surgery, Deja. Love you so much. She said, you got to do a GoFundMe. And I was like, I can't ask people for money. I can't, like, I can't, that's silly. Like, why would people pay for this? You know, like they could be paying for, like they're paying for like people who have cancer. And then I had to sit with that and realize like, but this is life-saving surgery for me. This is life-saving for me. Oh, I tear up about this. But I said to myself, I don't know if I can be on this planet anymore in this body. Now that I know I cannot go another year and make it to another birthday in this body, I can't. As like, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to be here. And I think that 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 is probably one of the darkest moments I had after I came out. It's just like the desperation. I know so many trans people feel this, like they can't get a hold of hormones. Like they want to start, they want to transition. There's like a shortage right now, which is really messed up. Or like their doctors are transphobic or they just can't get the healthcare that they need or they can't afford it. And it's so heartbreaking because you know who you are, you know what you want. And it's like so out of reach. And meanwhile, like this cisgendered person over here could just go drop a load of money and get, to, you know, get <laughs> boob impl- implants. They don't need letters. Like we need letters. We need therapy. We need like so many things in place to actually be able to do the surgery that nobody else has to do. So there's a lot of obstacles and these are physical obstacles. And so obviously I'm mentally dealing with what are the chances of this not happening? It's 15 days away right now. And I'm like, our flight's going to be canceled. You know, like, is something like we were just talking about this before the show is something going to stop me from getting this done. And my friend felt the same way. And I was like, I know I'm going to be relieved when it happens. But it's, 
It's like all of the stuff that stands in the way of you able to transition into your fullest expression physically. Like you can transition socially, you can tell everybody your pronouns all day long, but for those of us that want a different form, it's very expensive. Healthcare is not covering a lot of it. People have to pay out of pocket for so much and that becomes a privilege. I was privileged to have a GoFundMe. I was privileged to make thousands of dollars from people over time who cared. My boss, amazing, donated so much money. My mother's been such a huge help, but that's a privilege to have that age and those people and those contacts in my life. I'm privileged enough to have great credit so I could go out and get a loan for like a good chunk of it on care credit. Not everybody has this. There are teenagers that don't even have like anything in their name. They can't do anything without their parents' support. And those parents are not supporting them. So like my heart goes out, that is probably the biggest challenge that I have found aside from the loss. But like you said, like we're used to that. So I was like, it hurts, but like maybe you're just not meant to be in my life anyway. I already went through all that healing of relationship stuff. But the physical challenge of knowing what you want with your body and having healthcare and doctors and insurances and whatever stand in your way is just like so frustrating. So it's been a year and I'm finally here and I, I got my testosterone. That was a pain. I mean, that was like nine months of like dealing with stuff just to get a prescription. And it's been a year planning surgery and I'm finally here and I'm like ready. And yeah, it took a lot to get here. Yeah, absolutely. It took a lot, a lot of paperwork. I'm a producer too. And so you can, I can't even begin to tell you how much paperwork and follow up and coordination. Like it was easier for me because this is my job. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to talk to that person and get that paper to that person. Cause you know, I do that on set all the time. But like for somebody that doesn't have that skill, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. And I feel in my heart, the system is set up to be that way. Yeah. And that's, what's really terrible is it is set up to not help people and not like at this moment, it's really not supportive of transgender folks who want to transition. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Again, you're just highlighting things so beautifully and so well. And I so appreciate your transparency and your honesty because that's what helps people, not just being like, yeah, it was yeah, difficult, but yeah. I did it. And here I am. And you. Yeah. yeah we see a lot of the after pictures yeah. of like beautiful trans. It's always like the most gorgeous, like everything worked out for them. Their genetics were amazing. <laughs> everything looks great, you know? And then, and you're like, yeah, what about everybody else? Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy for those people, but. But, you know, when society does appreciate transness, it, it, we still stick with the beauty standards. They st- these are people who transition to the point where they look cisgender, but also beautiful versions of cisgender. So society is not supporting the average everyday trans person who like trans women who have already gone bald and lost their hair. Like, how do they transition? They've got to deal with the facial hair. They've got to get surgery for that. Trans guys, like, I don't look great with short hair, so I don't want to cut it anyway. But like, I'm not naturally beautiful. Like Evangeline Lilly, you know, I can't just like, woo, like just show up. You know, there's a lot of guys that they are. So they look amazing and people, and you know, they years go by and they get ripped and people are like, oh my God, perfect specimen. It's like, yeah, but how much work did that take? Right. So we really have to really have to dive into the behind the scenes of the process and accept people. This is such a big thing I want to I want to say is we have to accept trans people as they are in every step of the journey. Yes. Because a lot of people comment to me like you're going to be so handsome when right. more facial hair comes in or when your voice drops. I was like this is how I am right now. Like I'm going through the journey and I I could have not chosen to do testosterone and then never had those changes. So we have to accept people for who they are. They were born in a body that doesn't fit. There's not a lot we can do about that. We can only hope to change certain things, but we're not going to become completely different people. Yeah. Like, it's not possible. I mean, yet there's going to be drastic transformations, but yeah. we can only do so much. Yeah. So we have to accept people how they are. That's so important. Yes. 100,000 yeah. trillion percent. Yes. Like so, so important. And maybe it's kind of like a final question and then we'll we'll talk about how people can connect with you and, and read your incredible work and, yeah, and follow yeah. your journey. Yeah, you highlighted that piece and and I've experienced that in, in my journey in different ways, trying to make seemingly impossible things happen where it's like circumstantially, it feels impossible. It actually looks impossible. Like even yeah. in certain situations, like it literally is impossible. And for me... It has required a level of creativity, meaning just thinking outside of, okay, well, if I can't walk down this path, what other Mm. possibilities Mm -hmm. are there? But also learning to ask for 
and receive support. And like, this is a completely different situation, but I think about when I was so broke because my PTSD, my trauma, like everything I had been through, I had really gotten to a a low point, like mentally, emotionally, and also financially, like literally had no money, had a car that was dying, didn't have credit because I had trashed it in the process of just trying to stay afloat and also not caring about myself or my life. And I was fortunate in that the relationship that I was in at the time, he was friends with a mechanic. And so I had to get creative and accept other people's help because I ended up buying a car through this mechanic, which required relationship. Granted, it was my partner's relationship with him, but he let me do payment plans to buy a new car. And I think about like your GoFundMe and there's a lot of people doing GoFundMes for different things. And I totally get having never even done one, like how that internal process is like, I can't, I can't ask people to pay for this or that, or like, especially like that initial thought of like, what I'm going through isn't as important or urgent as someone else. And it's like, that's not true. It's important to you. It's something that you need. And so I just love that you highlighted. I feel like GoFundMes and, and crowdfunding and all of that has become more common. Like it's something that we've all seen at least, so we know it exists. But I have found that people really struggle because we're so used to there's only one path to what it is that I want. I've only seen people go this way. And it requires a certain level of creativity. It requires working through anything that blocks you from asking for help and support and receiving it. And like really also valuing yourself and what's important to you enough to do that. Because if it's important to you, especially like you're so right that you totally get why you wouldn't want to be in this world anymore. If you can't be you, all of you. And if you have to feel trapped inside a body that that doesn't feel like you and now everyone's perceiving you in a way that also like reinforces that. And so I just appreciate mm-hmm. you you sharing that because it illustrates it. And and to kind of wrap things up, I guess I would love to hear what you would say to anyone, whether they're on a similar journey to you in terms of transitioning or they're going after something yeah. that like circumstantially feels looks by all accounts, completely impossible. Like what would you say to them? What advice or words of wisdom from your own journey would you give? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Such a great question. I feel lucky that this is my first transition, obviously, but this is not the first time I've created something big and had to go through the process of having the vision, wondering if it's too impossible, getting the adversity, you know, the people being like telling me it was impossible and following through. So I will say that like, if you can do this once in your life and you can make the impossible happen, however path you get there, you will find the confidence to do that in every area of your life. So previous to transitioning, and this is why I think I was, yep, I'm on it. I had done like my own award show where I created this huge thing where people, I mean, I sat with people, I sat with Stan Lee's company a year before the show. And I said, I have this idea. And they they kind of laughed at me and they were like, that's really cute. That's probably not going to happen. And I was like, yeah, but you don't know me. Like I'm super <laughs> resilient. And when I want something and I can see it in my vision, I know that it's going to come true because that's just how my life works. If I see it, it's going to come true. And I worked my butt off and it felt so impossible. Oh my gosh. I had people like blackmail me and steal my money. The first year I had like drama with like celebrities who like tried to sabotage wow. me. I mean, I went through everything imaginable. And then there was the night of the show. I mean, it was just like hell beforehand, but I got all these people involved who were supportive. I had asked the venue to give me the venue for free in exchange for a bar tab. I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. They threw it out there and I was like, oh, you mean I don't have to pay for it? Drinks are going to pay for it? Okay. You just have to ask. That's what you're talking about being creative. And I'll get to my transition in a minute, but this was such a beautiful experience year 10 years ago where i had to like beg people to help ask people to help trade my services for their services da 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 and then that came the night of the show and i sat there and stanley like walked out on stage and i was like wow i did this with the help of my amazing team of people that were supportive because i asked for help could not do it alone and ever since i went through that experience I mean, I raised like $100,000, like I think like the third year. I mean, it all went to paying for people because it's production. But I knew that if I could do it once, twice, three times, like I could do anything. And so this transition, writing my book, I'm working on a series right now. That's me. I actually don't need to raise money to write a book. I, I just need to have the time to sit down and write it. At the moment, that's me. 
if I can make it through that other experience, I can get through this because the book is a challenge for me. Like, it's just like, when is it going to get done? And then we're looking at my transition. I was like, well, if I could raise money for a show, if I could get sponsors on board for the show, how could I do that for myself? Well, this is how I did it before is that I wasn't fake. I wasn't selling people. I showcased and I was very open and honest about my passion for the thing that I wanted. I really wanted an award show that helped indie creators. I really want this masculine body. I really want these boobs to be gone, like so hardcore. And I shared that passion for what I wanted. And I think that's what people donated to. I wasn't like asking for money. I'm not asking for handouts or whatever society wants to tell you. I was sharing like why this was very important to me, why it was going to change my life, how it was going to change my life, how I wanted to look, how I felt I was going to feel afterwards, how I'm feeling now. And like, it's only going to get better. Like you have to be vulnerable and share your story. And again, it's not about marketing. People get into like the marketing. No, I don't believe in any of that. Like be vulnerable, share your story. And there are amazing, kind-hearted people out there that want to help. Previous to this, I have helped hundreds of people. So I've been the helper and I've seen people's stories and I was like, wow, like I need to help this person. I need to donate to their campaign. And I got that energy in return. So you cannot be afraid to ask. When you're going through the process of something that feels impossible, you have to know that in the beginning, it's going to feel impossible and you've got to break it down into baby steps. You can't rush it. I took a whole entire year to fund for surgery. I didn't do it in three months. I gave myself a year. That was a long time. And every single day I posted and with the posts that got You know, I would post something and then I would see like, oh, somebody made a donation. They were always the posts where I was very honest about my experience. I was sharing some traumas in the past about my body or I was sharing my excitement. All of it was heartfelt and authentic. And it was just me sharing my feelings and pouring them out into the world. And at the bottom, I say, hey, and if you want to support me, go donate to my surgery. And it happened. I raised over $10,000. So like ha- like almost half of the surgery, which I never thought was imaginable, <laughs> but like I believed that it could happen. I believed it deep in my heart. I said, I don't know if I'm going to get the money from GoFundMe or if like some angel is going to come at the last minute or maybe my surgeon will give me a discount, whatever it is. Maybe I'll get a job to pay for it. Whatever the path is, I believed in it so much. It's going to happen. And yeah, I'm going into debt for it, but this is something that's going to save my life. So there's another aspect of like, how badly do you want this? And if you know that it's going to save your life, you have to do it. You have to do it. Even if you go into debt, you have to do it because not being here on this planet is the only other option. And that's not a route that I wanted to take. So Mm. yeah. So hopefully that answers your question, but you know, just, you just, you just have to take baby steps, little bits at a time and watch the thing grow. And sooner or later, you'll be like, oh my gosh, whoa, (laughs) it happened. You know, it's, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. And I, I just, I just love and adore you so much. I'm so glad that you're here on this planet at this time. I'm so glad that I get to know you. I am too. And, and be a part of your journey. And I, I want to keep talking to you and I would actually love to have you back at some point, you know, further along because we didn't even get to your, your writing process. Oh yeah. Well, like a few months from now, I actually yes. have like the book done. Yes, so. we'll definitely have you back because I would love <laughs> I would love good. to go into more with you. Yeah, thank you so much for being you, for being so courageous thank and you. vulnerable and showing up the way that you have. Like again, I I keep saying it because I mean it. Like I you have inspired me so much and you have helped me on my own journey towards full expression so, so much. And I love seeing your updates and your posts. And I am so unbelievably excited for you because I know how important this is and how much it means to you. Yeah. But for everyone else who wants to know where can they follow your journey? How can they support you? Like we're going to include links to everything in the show notes, especially to the GoFundMe page. But yeah, let them know where they can find you. Absolutely. I'm mostly on TikTok at TransFairyPrince on TikTok. And I do most of my video journaling there because I just love the platform. Um, And I feel like there's just so much more response and interaction with the community. But I am also on Instagram, same handle, TransFairyPrince. I'm going to be posting lots 
lots of photos there. I don't usually fa use Facebook as much because I just, it's so outdated. <laughs> oh, and then the, the GoFundMe. So that's the biggest thing right now is I'm, you know, paid for almost half of the surgery and I'm trying to, afterwards, I have like a two-year loan now with Carrot Credit that I'm trying to pay off. It's kind of like a car loan, but my chest. So, <laughs> so that's probably the biggest way um, to support me is just, you know, come watch my videos. Probably going to learn from them. If, uh, you know, you relate to my message and my story and I would love to see you there. Thank you. Thank you again so much for being here. Everyone who's listening, please go check out Caden. His journey is just, it's such a magical and inspiring thing to witness. And I know that you, the more that you see from him, the more you will love him. So again, thank you so much for being here. Aww. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today and being a part of our incredible community of purpose-driven individuals. If you are ready to put these teachings into practice in your own life, head on over to www.stephaniezamora.com slash podcast, where you'll get access to our collection of actionable and easy to implement workbooks. That includes our renowned methodology for making the impossible inevitable that's helped hundreds of individuals worldwide get into motion on their most important goals. Plus, our comprehensive guide to stopping self-sabotage and navigating the terror barrier with more grace and ease. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.